Oh, not anymore. Now that Jason's here. Now that Jason's here, you can't fucking see. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Wait, where'd he go? (laughs) Did we fucking lose him? Whatever. Whatever. We're recording. Um, I have no idea where. Did he? (laughs) Why did he go to the? Jason. I don't know, dude. I don't know where he is. Whatever. We're recording. Um. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I so I tried to make it like a computer voice. God damn it! Hold on. Stop recording. Is he back? Greetings. There he is. All right. <laughs> All right. Hello, All right. everybody. Oh fuck! Hold on. Fuck. Apologies for the tardiness. You're good, man. I'm trying to record on this computer. Okay. Tisk tisk. All right, recording. Um. I see a recording button. Looks good. Yeah, we're, yeah. So, uh, I uh, I tried to turn y'all's book into an audio book just for myself, so it would read it to me. Yeah, I was just telling Justin that, like, dude, I can't read for more than like five minutes. I go fucking crazy. Uh, my that's just who I am. My mind is just jumping around. But if it's an audio book, I can listen to it for hours and hours and hours. So I got my phone to read y'all's book to me from Kindle. But the problem is, is it's like a computer voice. So it's like, it felt like I was getting like navigation directions. It was harder to pay attention. (laughs) So I've been listening all day yesterday and today, just trying to listen to it again. And all I keep thinking is, is fucking Jason, you need to read it, man. You've got the English voice. You've got the narrator voice. You need to read it because listening to it in the Siri voice it's hard to pay attention because it's already talking about shit that's over my head. It's talking about fucking nuclei and magnetic turbulence. And they're like, it's hard enough for me to pay attention, mm-hmm. but it's just, but it's like, I can't fucking, I don't know when it, I feel like it's giving me directions. And at the same time, it's trying to teach me about like how much deuterium or how much lit, <laughs> how many micrograms of lithium are in per liter of seawater. But it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Siri. But when I listen to a normal audiobook with like a reader, I can listen to anything. So roundabout way of saying, Jason, you need to utilize your accent and you get you need to narrate the book. Justin was just starting to say something before Jason dipped out on us. What were you saying about the audiobook? Uh, the, uh, yeah, I was thinking that it's a very good idea. The one concern I had was the the pictures are pretty important. But I think we could just have Jason describe the pictures. Yeah. To just kind of pause and then collect some stuff and then give like an audio description yeah. of what's going on in the figure. Yeah. No, that would be fine. Yeah. That's what I, that's, I just listened to it today, just it describing it and, or whatever you guys wrote in it. And I would just, you know, piece it together. It's, it's, Imagine. A, yeah, it's, a, it's, I think for most people, at least I can speak for people that listen to audiobooks, they're willing to sacrifice that, like, okay, I can't see, because, Almost every audiobook you buy, it'll have like, you know, you'll get an email with the like the corresponding PDF. But I've never I've listened to ninety five books. And I've never once looked at the fucking PDF. I just don't care. I'm just gonna listen. So yeah, that's a sacrifice I think most people would be willing to make. Um, we can but, start now, Tommy, if you like. I have the book here. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we just start. Let's just start. Yeah. Nine minutes past three p.m. So we get a, <laughs> about a day. So I get figure what we'll probably be finished by midnight. So uh, 
Yeah, let's start. That's <laughs> yeah. how fast I read. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've been listening to it on one and a half speed, so maybe that wasn't helping. But yeah. Tokamak Fusion Reactor. <laughs> Fucking God damn it. But yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess for everyone listening, why don't you guys introduce yourself? I always forget to do that when I have guests on for a second time. Um, yeah, introduce yourselves. Uh, so okay. my name is Justin Ball. Um, that has been changed since last time, <laughs> nor has much about my life. Uh, uh, I'm still working at EPFL doing doing fusion research. Fortunately, since since I'm a theoretician, uh, being stuck at home doesn't really doesn't really affect my job too much. Hmm. Uh, in fact, maybe I'm a bit more productive than really. Than usual. You I don't know when when it, when it first started, I definitely. It wasn't, but now, now that I'm kind of adapting yeah. to the, the new normal, yeah. um, it's easy to get writing done. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, introduce yourself for the good people listening, for all those that haven't listened to the last podcast. Okay. Well, greetings, everybody. My name is Jason Parisi. Uh, like Justin, I'm also a theorist uh, and a fusion scientist, and I'm currently in my final year uh, of my PhD. Um, and... I, uh, I'm actually currently writing my thesis, so during this pandemic, um, it's, uh, well, it's challenging for everybody, but like Justin, over time, I've got a bit better. In the past two, I think it's been three weeks, actually, since we uh, last got together and, and no uh, talked. Actually, I think it was 20 days, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, I've actually, so research is going pretty well. I think I've found a nice new result, so hopefully there'll be a paper on that soon um but yeah apart from that not much else i've metabolized i've slept etc but apart from that pretty much the same. <laughs> i've metabolized and slept <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ you guys really are scientists i've metabolized and time has passed yeah it's um yeah man not yeah, really not a lot's happened the only thing i can think and i think i brought it up with someone i talked to was we actually managed to tie it into fusion was is there not a more prime example than right now so obviously this is from a global pandemic as opposed to war but let's say there was a war where effectively like international travel was cut down to a standstill right so i almost think like world war ii you know it's like shipping lanes is like stopped so let's just imagine that this is a war instead of pandemic we couldn't fucking you know without like a military escort we couldn't get the like the oil and shit we needed what better time is there to illustrate the need for you know well granted america we have our oil reserves but what better time is there to illustrate the need for unlimited independent uh energy than right now like let's imagine every country was cut off from every other country is there not a better time to you know hold up like you know like jehovah's witnesses but like fusion like knock on the door like have you heard about our lord and savior fusion power like it's is there not a better time than right now, or is that or is that not the case? I think I think any time is great. <laughs> well, of course, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> of, of course, I'm forgetting who I'm talking to. But like, um, well, I mean, it's it makes me think of what uh what Graham Hancock said about uh, asteroid defense, and he said he's talking about you know just how lethal asteroids are, and how just like that we could have we could have modern civilization reset to the Stone Age if we're lucky, the Stone Age. And right now, the global 
the aggregate global funding for um, asteroid detection and potential deflection is less than the amount of money that it takes to run a single McDonald's franchise location. And that made me think of a line mm. from y'all's book where it's the, the U.S. funding for fusion is less than peanut subsidies. Yeah, it kind of... Yeah, it is? Yeah, it, it kind of... It's a little... It's a little... um makes you kind of lose a little bit of faith <laughs> when it's like, what the fuck are we yeah. doing? But... Do you think there's especially well, especially in that uh, a lot of these problems, like you, you mentioned, asteroid defense, you can't really play catch up very no. effectively no. in the last inning, right? No. And it's the same for fusion. Of you really need sustained effort to to reap the rewards to be successful, and yeah. you don't want to you don't want to get caught needing it but not having it. Yeah, yeah. With asteroid defense, yeah, you really no, you can't play catch up at all. It's like I think it was Michio Kaku who said said uh, asteroids are uh, the universe's way of flying by a planet and saying hey how's that space program coming along it's just <laughs> it's just a little reminder it's it's a shot across the bow it's it's when the bullet cracks right by your ear and it's oh shit it's that's what asteroids are just like hey guys what's going on how's your space program going on but it kind of seems like maybe global warming is that's sort of like the it's like right now, let's look at how how much the pandemic has shifted our society in seemingly a matter of weeks. Just everything's turned upside down. Like the the momentum of the last century is seemingly just pff, thing of the past. And it's now everything's completely upside down. This is, to quote Yale's book, this is peanuts compared to what global warming when true climate change comes in true like changes in the sea levels it's almost like this right now is like global warming like diet global warming it's like here's just a little here's a little like taste of what of radical uh what radical change will be like again is this not sort of is this not the shot across the bow for like fusion like hey guys like if if, if you can't handle covid-19 how are you going to handle rising sea levels? How are you going to, and it, it's kind of like, how's that renewable energy thing coming along? Or how's that clean energy thing coming along? It's, it's kind of like the asteroid. Do you think that that will shift in, do you think that will shift any policy or funding? Or do you think that as soon as life goes seemingly back to normal, that we're all going to put our heads in the sand and just kind of <laughs> keep going back to the way things were? You know, I think I think it's I mean it's definitely true that um, the speed with which new ideas can be adopted uh, during this crisis is quite remarkable. Mm. Like the idea um, of uh, sending every single American twelve hundred dollars or however much it is, or at least in many European countries, you know, of um, of supporting eighty to eighty five percent of the um, of the wages. Of, the, of private businesses, the government effectively paying those wages, right? Or a universal basic income. So I think that now is a really good opportunity for um, ideas that were perhaps not um, testable just during um, kind of normal economic times to be tested. Um, and I think that one of the underlying themes is resilience. Mm. So resilience of the economy to external shocks, right? So this pandemic is obviously a shock. 
uh, to lots of us. And we're not particularly resilient because you see the, the massive contraction in economic output that is, that is occurring. Um, the problem with climate change is it's, it's so much slower. It's not like the asteroid, mm. right? It's not even like a pandemic. It's just like the temperature keeps going up a little bit. Um, and it's hard. To, I mean, there are events like, you know, if Florida uh, experiences a mass flooding event or Miami goes completely underwater and they're not able to save it, then yes. But even so, it's slower. But I hope, I think you, you raise an excellent point, which is a, it's a really good time to just kind of grab the initiative and say, look, we need to make our economy more resilient. And obviously, investing in um, fusion is part of that. Although, unfortunately, at the moment, on the current timescale, it doesn't look like fusion is going to be ready fast enough, at least at the current levels of funding, to really be able to make a dent um, in uh, you know the amount of carbon that we put out. If it's accelerated somehow, then perhaps it will be. Uh, yeah. But but yes, I I um, I think that fusion is is. I mean, obviously, in these kind of um, circumstances, it's it's. You mentioned. Um, you know, the fact that all global trade is what well, global trade has decreased significantly. Um, fusion is it does to some extent allow countries to be more independent, which is to start up a fusion plant, at least the first generation plants, you need deuterium and tritium, at least in terms of fuel. Deuterium is abundant, and I think pretty much any country could probably synthesize it. Um, tritium is harder because it's uh, got a, a half life of about 13 years. Uh, so it's not naturally occurring. So you have to get it from somewhere. And usually we get it from um, from fission reactors. Um, and once you start off uh, a fusion reactor with several, however many kilograms of tritium you want, uh, as long as the technology called uh, tritium breeding is good enough, it just keeps going for the rest of the life cycle of the plant. Um, you just need to keep feeding it tritium hmm. and lithium. Um, so yes, it does make you more independent. Uh, but it lithium. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Deuterium and lithium. Um, but it does also make you um, a lot more interdependent as well, right? Mm. From the technology, because at least to start up a fusion plant, uh, it basically rests on everybody's accomplishments. Before mm. that. Yeah. It, it does kind of seem, yeah, things that would normally, you know, things like UBI, it was always like, well, you know, well, how are we going to do that? Harumph, harumph, harumph. You know, we got we got this going on and that going on. And, you know, we got to go about our business life. But with this, it's it's kind of like, yeah, it's almost like the foot in the door is keeping it from closing. It's like, well, we're all stuck at home. Like, we kind of got to try this. Do you think that it will be seized upon? Do you think that there will be lasting change from this in terms of Obviously, that you said it's what has to happen. There has to be an increased level of funding for fusion. Do you think any actual effective change will happen, or do you think it will remain in the realms of of Zoom podcasts and and posturing and and nothing more? Do you think it will happen? Because it's, yeah, I mean, it's if there is a time, it's it's like the shakeup is now. It's like everything is all the phrase was it's like what Vladimir Lenin said there are decades where nothing happens then there are weeks where decades happen. It's kind of like mm -hmm. what it feels like right now like is everything shifting is is everything shifting. Do you think anything will actually happen with this or again do you think it will just stay a speech? I mean I definitely think that there will be there will be 
dramatic change. Um, I think the connection, especially the fusion, is is pretty tenuous. But I do think it will shape the way people think um, in a lot of ways. Like the pandemic really stresses the importance of global cooperation, basically, because you know, unless you're an island, like literally an island, um, the pandemic brings us all together um, in both the way that you know we want and the way that we don't want. Where you know, your your neighbor's actions do affect you, and so I think I think <clears throat> that will have a significant impact on on people's political views and and what's acceptable and and uh, I hope the world's a better place as a result. No, I, I would add that countries, um, you know, like Justin said, I mean, it's hard to see the connection, but one th- one thing, one possibility, is countries. Are going to be to kind of start the economy again, right? It depends. I don't know how quick the recovery is going to be, but but an industrial policy of a country might be let's invest a lot of money in infrastructure and technology, and uh, fusion might be one of those, for example. Uh, do you think? Could yeah. Be a good chance to do. Well, yeah. Well, didn't didn't President Trump say a couple weeks ago that he was like, "What better time than now?" And he's he wanted to put forth a two trillion dollar infrastructure bill. I mean, it's kind of like. It's kind of like with the defense contractors, like how they would talk about like the Reagan era. And it's like if you if you just showed up with any idea whatsoever and you're like, hey, we can fuck up the Soviets. It was basically like the purse strings open and you got like, you know, you got a shovel and it's like, get the cash. And it's, you know, especially with SDI, it was like if you can propose anything that will just fuck up the communists, you can have funding. You can have a sizable amount or right after 9-11, it was like. If you have any idea of how to like fight insurgency in Afghanistan and Iraq, again, it was like the purse strings opened up. Didn't matter how fucking stupid the idea was, you could you could do anything. Do you think that's kind of what? Do you think that's what will lead to it? Do you think it will be the, I guess, a massive global or just American spur in infrastructure, and it's almost like everyone's going to get their piece of the pie. Do you think fusion will get a necessary bump just by association? Just uh, I, I really couldn't tell you. I, it is interesting that there is there is um, a field plasma medicine yeah. that's just exploded in the past ten years or so, and it's it's a brand new field. People really don't understand it well, but um, people can treat some medical medical ailments with uh with plasma medicine it's really the most the most relevant thing i can think to to the the pandemic um but it's it's really it's unusual medical treatment because people don't even really know how to measure the dose of (laughs) of plasma medicine right so plasma is a fourth state of matter and it turns out that if you have um like a, a wound like uh, older people often have wounds that, that just don't heal properly like an ulcer hmm. but if you if you basically hit it with plasma um and and treat it repeatedly it is very successful at, at um, getting the body to, to heal it um so do you think that would indirectly lead to more fusion research or, okay let me ask this how, how right what is the global what is the global annual um budget for fusion what is what is the aggregate what is what is the tab so right now there's about 
two billion dollars, a little bit less than two billion dollars a year, um, worldwide spent on, on fusion, and that's almost exclusively from from governments. Jesus, does that include ITER? That's all, all including ITER as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, and, and for, the US for is con- mm-hmm. for context, um, renewables is about a factor of five higher, um, maybe six or seven if you include private R and D, and um, fission's about the same same level as as renewables. Yeah, yeah, two billion dollars, <laughs> just twelve hundred dollars for every American. That's I mean, you just I can't I can't do math. So let's just say it's a thousand. That right there is three hundred forty-three billion. Yeah, to, to put it in context, the, the average American pays one one dollar fifty cents um, worth of taxes for, for future fusion research. Yeah, yeah. one fifty. <laughs> Buck fifty. Jesus Christ. Which is as much as you pay for for, for peanut subsidies yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it three dollars for peanut subsidies? It's about twice as much. Uh, oh I don't know. Oh Depends god. on yeah. the the peanut crop. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh god. Yeah. Oh god. But so, I'm trying to tie this in with how you would effectively lead private industry into something that, like you guys talked about last time, is it's it's kind of antithetical to to private to privatization and capitalization because just because of the startup costs and there's no guaranteed return. And right now it's sort of, like you said, a little bit of game theory. Everyone put in a dollar. Let's see if it goes farther. Everyone put in a dollar. Everyone put in a dollar. Because once it's figured out, everyone gets whatever you can get out of it. So no one wants to be the the poor sucker that puts in $100 and everyone else puts in $1. Bam, you figure it out. And now everyone's getting it. And it's the tab wasn't split evenly. But so... To tie it into to privatization, you'd have to get some eccentric, rich, brilliant motherfucker. I don't know, Elon Musk, who, by the way, in like the last month or so, said that, and it really hasn't made a lot of news, and I don't know how it hasn't. He said he's pretty sure that we will not get to Mars in his lifetime. He's gone from like gung-ho, like we're going really? to... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know the Musk timeline is always like, you know... It's like 10 times more optimistic than reality. Like we're going to be on Mars by 2020. But even now he was saying, you know, like 2020 or, you know, up until like this year, he was saying like 2024 will send like the fr- like the very first just whatever. But in like the last, I think it was in March or February, he said he doesn't think it will happen in his lifetime. And he said he was very depressed about it. Would someone like him where you could use the exhaust velocity from a fusion reactor or a fusion engine. Because he's, well, he said the reason why, he said, unless we can figure out how to get there faster, he just doesn't see it happening. It's not the technology. It's not It's not what's needed for colonization. He said it's the transit time. And he thinks because of that, he will not see it in his lifetime. He's very depressed about it. You guys mentioned in the opening of your book, the well, how, many, how long did you say it would get to Mars using the exhaust velocities from fusion? I want to say you said eight or eighty. Oh, maybe a month or so oh, if you're okay. going if you're going fast. I'm very surprised Elon said that the yeah. uh, the transit time was was because I thought even with chemical rockets it's not like it's nine not, months. Um, yeah, it's it's not outrageous. Let's put, you might be a bit crazy after, but it's not debilitating. <laughs> so yeah. I'm we're all training right now. Yeah, 
maybe he was just having a bad day you know i don't know i don't know man it was on it was on um i think it was on like business insider or forbes it wasn't like some like mm. yeah it was it, it, it's not that like nine months is this impossible thing so much it's like i guess it's the entire picture is like every time you need x y or z it's nine months every you know if there's an accident it's nine months it's you only got the window every what like 24 months to launch within that so he was like that in itself isn't that bad but it's when it's everything is amplified by that you know think of all the problems we have just with the space station 220 miles above us and he's like every little thing like it's not that the we it's not that we don't know how to survive and in low gravity or you know we did on the moon it's not like that we don't know how to do it and it's not like we don't know how to send shit there it's take any equal problem and it's instead of the transit time being you know what 20 minutes an hour shoot shit up and dock what if it's nine months and he said that is what he thinks is the nail in the coffin Mm -hmm. so to tie my whack job idea back together do you think you got to get someone like elon to go like hey fusion could do it and i mean what's he got like 34 billion dollars 35 billion dollars and he said he's he said the only reason he's amassing wealth is so that he can so he can foot the bill to get us to mars faster because he said he didn't want to depend on governments so he's already said you know that's what tesla that's what starlink Neuralink. That's what it's all for is to just bring in cash so he can fund he can fund SpaceX even if it's at a loss. It's just to get us to Mars. So he's already stated that he's he's willing to just drop his own bankrolls on it. Is it the perfect storm that you guys go up to Elon and be like, you know, <laughs> hello Elon, can we tell you about our Lord and Savior Fusion? Not that he doesn't know about it, but I mean, he, he already knows. He already knows. So he's, I've seen some interviews um, where, I mean, he's interested in the problem um, and in magnetic confinement, which is the type of confinement that Jason and I work on, um, same as Eater. So he, he is, I think, aware and and obviously more money is definitely good and smart people working on the problem is also good. Um, but he, he actually wouldn't be the first billionaire to, to invest in fusion. Um, Bill Gates... Uh, has the uh, one of the breakthrough energy ventures, which is a big, uh, uh, basically, charity to fund breakthrough energy ventures. So, so he and um, other billionaires have contributed to this. And so, one of the the most exciting private companies in fusion right now, Commonwealth Fusion Energy in in Boston, is getting funding from from Bill Gates and and breakthrough energy ventures. So, but to get, let's, so let's say we take Elon's dream. He's, he's obsessed with Mars. You know, he's getting up there. What is Elon? He's like 58 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't get, and if he said that the only reason he's amassing wealth is to get to Mars. And now he's saying he doesn't think we'll get to Mars in his lifetime. Now he's got all that wealth that if he doesn't think we can get there in this lifetime, he's liable to blow it getting us there <laughs> just just because he's that's what he wants do you think elon will i don't know privatize you know make his own eater and just like 10 times the funding 
you think there's any hope in that? I'm just, I'm, I'm just from, the, from the layman. I'm trying to figure out how would we facilitate this? Because obviously, I can't do the research like you guys, but I can spitball stupid ideas, and that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it ferociously. <laughs> you think there's any hope in that route? Is there any hope in the take Elon's depression and desperation? I just, I just finished a book yesterday called Nuking the Moon by Vince Houghton, and it's about. Okay. It's about all the stupid ideas from like the 50s through like the 90s that we didn't do, but got really close to doing. And it was all in, but the entire thing is it was, it's all in the vein of the Cold War. And he said, what drew, what drove these men to do these things? Um, and it was, he said, desperation. He said, if, if necessity is the mother of invention, he said, desperation is the drunk uncle that calls once a year at four in the morning. He goes, I've got a brilliant idea. I've got an idea. It's going to work. Don't hang up the phone. But he said, that, he said, that's what desperation is. And that's what led to the Cold War shit. Do you think we got to take in Elon's desperation? Manip yes, we should definitely prey on Elon in his weekend state yeah. um, in order to advance our own, our own interests. Yeah, oh, yeah, our own interests. Let's, yeah. Um, you know, you if, it, sorry, if he was if he was depressed about like family or, you know, lost a family member, I'd say no. But he's depressed about not getting to Mars. <laughs> and it's a mutual thing. He wants to get to Mars so that humanity can't be wiped out in one blow. You guys want fusion so that we can stop global warming and thus not be wiped out. I mean, it's... <clears throat> It's, I don't know, there's a little bit of overlapping. Yeah, we're preying on them like, you know, a bunch of, <laughs> like a bunch of hyenas, but I think it's ultimately the same thing. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm finished with um, that rant. Have you seen the movie, the movie, I think it's Moon before? Yeah. It's just called Moon. Yeah. Um, where they, they mine yeah. the moon for helium-3 for fusion. Yeah. So you're talking about kind of wacky ideas. I mean, this one's, it's realistic. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So Jason was talking about how how right now we're trying to do to do deuterium tritium fusion but there's also deuterium helium 3 fusion which is actually quite attractive it's a mm. bit harder to do but um it's better for some other reasons the big problem is we don't really have helium 3 on earth and so people have quite seriously suggested that once we get you know better transport to the moon that helium 3 would be one of the the most precious commodities in terms oh, of yeah. mass to weight ratio oh yeah oh yeah no I'm, money I'm, yeah, to, per, yeah i've heard of that yeah J jason were you chiming in no no i i uh well i mean i would say you know since we're talking about you know taking advantage of elon there are i think <laughs> that it's definitely true that um there are lots of ideas out there and research programs that are quite capital intensive that the community would like to do, uh, but it can't afford to. Like trying um, new configurations for Tokamaks, Stellarators, other other devices. And, and it's actually, it, it is true that recently, uh, like a few weeks ago, actually, the US government announced some, uh, some funding for some of these kind of smaller, um, they're mainly lab-based or university-based um, uh, reactor concepts, but not really reactive, they're kind of preliminary experimental concepts. So that was a really good start. I think that was, I mean, that was really, really promising. But I still think there are a lot more ideas out there. I would say one of the biggest problems is that it's not like even if you had an infinite amount of money for fusion now, you wouldn't be able to get it done in say like, you know, a year because uh, these things take time. And there's also, 
a, a limited number of people in the field as well, right? Um, that's also another one of the big problems uh, that we face. So Elon, I mean, I think he could help publicize it. I think he could get some of the best people to be really interested in fusion and to join the field as scientists or engineers or even business people. Um, but these things take time. But I mean, if he if he were to do a sustained effort of extra funding, I mean, if he donated an extra billion dollars per year for 10 years, I'm sure that would have some pretty serious, yeah. uh, significant results. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah, it's, it's definitely not something that you can just, you know, punch the gas on and, and get the same thing in a quicker amount of time. I mean, you know, in, a, in an acute manner, it's, it's kind of like a, quoted at the last several podcasts but it's like what warren buffett said he was like something despite talent and efforts some things just take time you can't get a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant it's some things just yeah. take a little bit of time and so you don't think that like the, the age-old american philosophy of just hurl pallets of cash at it you don't think that will get it done faster Oh, we'd get it done faster. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'd we'd all agree it would, it would get it done a lot faster. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, the US has been talking about building its own kind of um, burning plasma physics experiment for a long time. Burning plasma physics basically just means that um, a large majority of the energy in the um, of of the power output from the reactors actually sorry a large a large majority of the heating power actually comes from alpha particles from the deuterium reaction rather than external heating so it, it's a um, cool phenomena but you can basically ignite um fusion fuel in the same way you light a fire right so for a fire you have a pile of wood and you provide some initial energy to get it going and then it produces the energy hmm. to burn the next part of the wood right and so okay. it kind of burns along for fusion, you can actually do the same thing of once you heat it up to, you know, the temperature of the sun and get it going, it deposits about 20% of the energy it produces back into the okay. plasma. Okay. And so you can literally cause, cause the plasma to ignite and then turn off, turn off the heating power. But this is, this is all theoretical. We've never actually, ever actually achieved a burning or an ignited plasma in, in a device. And so. So either should be a burning plasma. It won't quite ignite, but it'll be very close. And why won't it ignite? Is that something that hasn't figured out yet? Or is that just, again, sort of like, well, it's on, we wouldn't know what to do with it if it ignited. It would, it would just burn everything. So it's... A little um, more complex than that? <laughs> no, no, no. It's a really good question. And it's, it's the fusion community might be a little bit bitter about it because ITER was originally designed to be an ignition experiment to mm -hmm. actually ignite. And then in, I think it was 1996, the U.S. pulled out of the project saying that it was basically too big, um, too expensive. And so they redesigned it to be a bit, a bit um, more modest. So instead of ignition, it would just be a burning plasma experiment. And so then the U.S. rejoined and, mm -hmm. and that's the design that, that is under construction today. Mm -hmm. So what what ways would get fusion fast tracked? I I listened to our first podcast just to sort of refresh myself and when I say we I mean more so me was very big on the idea of of fear saying that that drove us I think you guys are a little more like all right psychopath but it's <laughs> what 
what what you know what would what would really get it going because i mean it it's its value is absolutely undeniable so i mean method one is we prey on elon you know hey elon you're never gonna see your dream come true it's all for naught unless you dump 30 billion dollars in the eater do you think that because it seems like it would absolutely have a military function or i, I mean it does not seem like it's i don't know it's it, it just like nuclear reactors or just you know nuclear energy in general it's like yeah you know if you want the thing that never turns off and you can run you know project iceworm in near Thule air by air base in greenland that was i think the first military base to have to have a nuclear reactor it was in like 1951 or three and they said because there's no other way that they could they could keep it um keep it running because it was so i guess removed from civilization they said it would have cost or taken eight hundred and fifty thousand barrels of oil a year but the problem was it was like negative 40 degrees fahrenheit all the time and there's no way to get it there so instead they had this nuclear reactor and voila so i mean there's definitely a military and the point of that was so we could hide our nukes in the ice but again so it's it's all got this like you know if it's just this idyllic like nuclear reactor, we can have clean energy. It's you know sounds great, but no one really gives a shit. If it's like hey, we can nuke Japan, or if it's like hey, we could have a a base up in the North Pole, then all of a sudden you get the full force of Uncle Sam behind it, and it happens yesterday, right? It gets boom, boom, it's done, it's perfect, it's good. You know, it's like the guy that uh, came up with the idea for a, the laser. He literally brought to DARPA. DARPA classified it. Bam, it was done because it, taught, what is it, it didn't catch Teller's eye and it became right to the forefront. And then, you know, eventually something like 80, I think the guy's patent, something like 80% of all lasers today use his original idea. So it, the rest of society benefits from it, just like the space race. It all sort of trickled down into our society. What way does fusion catch the, catch the eye the lustful eye of the military because you kind of need it that's i mean they've got the big bucks they've got they've got the unlimited checks i mean so so fusion has already been involved in the hydrogen yeah hydrogen bombs, bombs. Right? yeah it, yeah it caught the military definitely that yeah, way yeah as far as controlled fusion i mean there is a lot of interest of neutron sources um and i don't know jason do you know the actual reason the military wants neutron sources i know you can do like border checks so you can check for for nuclear material mm -hmm. if you have a neutron source but there there has been some military investments in in um yeah i'm like warhead verification and stuff i think but i'm not i'm not sure exactly how it works um but i think it's um yeah i think it's good for um these kind of uh, schemes where it's it's quite complicated. I don't understand it because there's a lot of well, there's a lot of background to learn, especially in terms of like the international relations side of um, how this stuff works. But in terms of credibly disarming, as far as I understand, having a strong neutral neutron source is actually very useful. Uh, someone called Rob Goldston uh, and and I forget the name of the other political scientist at uh, Princeton who whom he works with. Um, they've written a few papers on this, but yes, as a neutron source, it's useful. Um, I mean, also just deploying it as a power unit, um, you know, on, uh, on, uh, you know, barracks, for example, that's, that's very useful. Um, 
aircraft carriers. I mean, you can see those guys, um, you know, it's basically like, I mean, they're pretty much unsinkable, right? But if you, if you did sink one with a, a fission reactor in it, it's, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure they're pretty, they're pretty sturdy, but still, um, I mean, also from the space <laughs> perspective, <laughs> I think aircraft carriers are pretty sturdy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean the fact that, you know, if it, if it were to sink, the uh the the reactor inside it is for it is very secure it's not going to leak uh, it, it has happened to um to submarines um nuclear submarines have have broken apart and sunk yeah. before um yeah. but it's just it's so deep normally that it, it doesn't cause any any problems of the any radioactive waste just becomes diluted yeah because the oceans are enormous I think in terms of, uh, you know, making a Mars colony or, or whatever, if, I mean, all the helium three is already there. So if you have an advanced plasma physics understanding, then, um, you know, fusion reactors are actually quite a natural choice of, um, reactor for powering, you know, the settlers colonies or whatever. So again, I guess I think it's more so my limited understanding, so I can't really discuss technical details cause it's. 10 miles over my head. But I mean, what I can understand is that it, it's not getting, it's not getting the funding and resources, you know, you can, it's like what you said about global warming, you know, on like a pandemic or like Hurricane Katrina, it's very, very slow. It's just very slow. So it's not in our face screaming, right? It's not someone breaking down your front door. It's someone like whittling away. And mm-hmm what way so that being said so we it's not like intelligent people like you guys you see the benefits of fusion and what it will do for humanity and society both in global warming and in just you know quality of life directly correlated to uh energy production or i guess cheapness of energy production so it's it's its value is there, there's no arguing against it, but I know I'm talking in circles, but does it, what, what is the, why, what is the reason that it's just, it's not being absolutely bankrolled? Like it just, it seems so obvious. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, a tree hugging, like, you know, save the whales, man. I mean like, no, even just from like the darkest, like, you know, military power structure point of view it's like the power of the sun and not not just in a hydrogen bomb but you know completely independent of everyone total security you don't have to depend on anyone for anything why is this not being just sorry yeah because i think people view it as science fiction people don't believe that it can work yet okay and i i think that or at least I hope that um, when ITER shows that you can generate net energy from fusion reactions, that that will change. Um, yeah, I think I think people view fusion in the same way that they would view like a space elevator or something of, oh, this technology is really cool, and in the future we'll have it and it'll be awesome, but it's not something that they entertain as a serious possibility today. I would also add to that and say that in the past, um, in the 1950s when fusion and the sixties, when fusion was being investigated in its early days, I think we were quite optimistic about how quickly, 
uh, we would be able to realize a commercial fusion reactor. And that's because we didn't understand a lot of the physics that takes place and lots of the, lots of the material science and engineering limitations. So, I mean, and there were several kind of notorious examples where it seemed like fusion had uh, was so close, uh, but actually there were either, it was either fabrication or uh, a misreading or misunderstanding. So there's the famous Zeta experiment in the UK. There's also the cold fusion nonsense um, that, you know, happened. Uh, so I think it's kind of also a fatigue, right? Like how many projects are there actually which have which have had a very well-defined outcome, which is like, you know, a working fusion reactor that is able to put power on the grid and do so affordably. Uh, we had that dream since the 1950s or maybe even, you know, late 1940s. And it's been, uh, you know, since 1945, 75 years. And the, the, the goal is still the same, pretty much. And we've been working damn hard at it. Uh, and I think it's just it's just like we're not used to working with things on this time scale like a fission reactor the first fission reactors were like in the mid 50s right um that was like literally 15 years after the uh chicago pile one or mm -hmm. whatever it was called so i don't think we're used to things with that lag time like the the cern large hadron collider those various upgrades took you know maybe a decade each maybe even less the international space station the uh, Manhattan Project, the Apollo Project, all these things, all these great accomplishments, maybe not the Manhattan, but anyway, that's a, that's a different thing. Uh, um, they were really, they were, they, they were really fast. Hmm. And now this is so, it's so slow in comparison, especially in democratic societies, right? Where, you know, if you're a politician, you want to be able to promise things and, and invest money in things that will, you know, if you're being, if you're being somewhat skeptical, maximize your probability of being um, reelected. Re and hopefully that correlates with good things in society as well, like health and, and wealth and all that kind of stuff. But often, you know, saying, oh yeah, we're gonna put all this money into fusion reactors that might never come. It's like, why would I, Why would, if I were just a skeptical self-interested politician, why would I invest in that on a project of that time scale? Because they're probably a very small percentage of the voters are actually going to respond positively to something like that. When I could be spending it on, you know, lovely military jets that look super fancy or uh, building hospitals or educating people or international aid, all these things. So it's just bloody hard hmm. to have a political and democratic system that actually prioritizes a project of this, uh, this lead time enter elon musk right <laughs> you know you know we've been saying we're going to go to mars since like what Werner von didn't did Werner von braun want to go to mars or do you just want a space station regardless whatever he wants to go to mars yeah I'm, yeah i'm sure the nazis wanted to go to mars why not but it's yeah. yeah it's so you know publicly we've been saying oh we should go to but that just gets kicked down the road forever and ever and ever and then elon comes in and he's like we're going and it's it's sexy. It's cool. It's, oh, it's the guy that makes Tesla. And now all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's almost like a meme. It's sort of like a cool thing. Let's go to Mars. Do you have to have Elon throw his, throw his mimetic power behind, behind fusion? You know, maybe fusion needs an Elon in some, to some extent, because I think one of the tough things about fusion is all scientists or engineers mainly, we're not very good at self-promotion, I think. 
at least at least from like an advertising perspective like elon obviously understands uh public perception exceptionally yeah. well yeah and he's brilliant for doing it and um yeah i i agree i mean the problem is is still like i would i would say going to mars is maybe still easier than building a fusion reactor or a commercially viable fusion reactor so it's it's still um at least human travel to Mars. It's still it's still harder, and it, it's less clear because you know for going to Mars, we have the we have the rockets, right? We have the astronauts, um, and I think we have most of the technology that allows people to live there. It's just logistically very hard, and yes, there are some tweaking we need to do to the space program. But for fusion, it's just like you need the reactor. You either have the reactor, you don't have it, and. We don't have it. And it's also, I think, I'm not sure if it's easy, as easy to capture the imagination of people because uh, maybe it is, but it takes more explanation. It's just like the idea of going to Mars, humans love exploring, right? And being able to point to the night sky and say, we can go there one mm. day. And people are just like, rightly so, fired up by that idea, right? Or we can terraform Mars, all these incredible ideas. Um, so easy to explain, but for fusion, it's like more complicated and less tangible, perhaps. So, back to what I was saying, preying on Elon, he can take that. He can take that sexy thing, Mars. Let's go, you know, point up to the stars. Let's go there. Sorry, time issue. We can go. Let's go there. And yeah, we have all again. You you nailed it. We have all the technology. We have the spaceships. We have the astronauts. We pretty much think we know how we could you know sustain life there. But now you have Elon, wild card. I don't think we'll be there in my lifetime. And that depresses me. So you now that so it's now like you almost have this like pre-existing infrastructure, this like societal, mimetic, this like social infrastructure, where it's like Mars has been made sexy. Elon is Tony Stark. He's gonna get us there. Kind of have this momentum. Let's go. But now he's saying it can't be done. So what I'm saying is, is he? It's not that he has to do the hard sell of self-fusion to the public, self-fusion to kids, so much as that he's already successfully sold the desire to get to Mars, but he now thinks it can't be done. If he can insert fusion as not selling it as fusion, but selling it as the necessary thing to get us to Mars, you know, it's like, I can't, you know, you're a kid, I can't hype you up to eat your vegetables, but, you know... If you eat your vegetables, you know, you can have ice cream or, you know, Superman eats his vegetables. All of a sudden you can take that same thing and sort of turn it into a delivery vehicle for something cool. You know, I don't want to do this, but if, you know, I don't want to do my homework, but if I do my homework, I can go out and get drunk with my friends. Okay, let's do the homework. You know, let's get it done. Same thing. What if he takes that sort of pre-existing hype and uh, social image of we're going to Mars you know, he already did it with launching his, his roadster into space. You know, that became a meme. That was fucking hilarious. He shot a fucking sports car into space. Like, he's already got that backing. What if you just, instead of taking fusion as like, hey, guys, here's sustainable energy, despite how, you know, great that is. And instead, he just said, you know, here's the last missing piece. If we do this, we go to Mars. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, do you know? Do you know Elon's? Are you friends with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give him. A, I'll give him a call. <laughs> okay, that would be great. That sounds good. 
Screw you, so, Jason. So obviously, obviously, again, it would be great if if more people got involved. But I think I think the kind of bigger point is a very good one of just the fusion community. I th- like I think fusion is really cool, and like yeah, it's technical and complex, but it's still cool. You, you can still show people how cool it is without without having to resort to equations or anything. And so the field I think could do a much better job of of showing its enthusiasm for fusion and, and kind of inspiring the public. Mm. Um, and I think that because it's government funded almost exclusively, there's not there's not the the motivation or the drive to to really communicate to that to the public. The private companies do a really good job of of advertising and marketing, right? And in Fusion, the small number of private companies that are um, in the field do, to to what I frankly, I think they do much better at at selling Fusion than the government labs and the the government efforts that have just a whole lot more money and resources behind them. Yeah. And so that's that's part of why Jason and I uh, are, you know, writing the book and so, so keen to to talk to anyone or yeah um just build up excitement right yeah yeah so it all comes to it all comes down to selling it to elon or i you guys exactly get, you get praying on elon yeah elon more of the story yeah all right yeah i gotta i gotta wrap this up in like two three minutes but did we just what just happened how did i get whoops i don't know why i can I... still see you and hear you yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it still says recordings. So okay. Oh yeah, I don't know why my screen just split in half, but um, yeah, I gotta go in like two minutes. But on the darker side, mm-hmm. if 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 preying on Elon to make it the sexy thing doesn't work, do we gotta resort to fear? Start a rumor that says <laughs> to start a rumor that says the Chinese are building their own eater. We they can't are. be we I can't mean, be left are. behind. They are. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, there you yes. go. Yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> Doctor Strangelove. Well, like, it's, yeah, it's probably actually going to be more advanced in some ways than Utah. I think it's, it's <laughs> perfect. It's, it's it's perfect. It's supposed to. It's pl- depending on what happens, right? But it is planned to come online after Utah. Uh, let Let's see. I think some components of it won't be as advanced, but I do know that so-called Q engineering, which is the um, basically, if I put in a bunch of energy. Do I get more energy out as a whole power plant system? And the Chinese are saying, yes, let's try to accomplish that. So yes, the Chinese are actually, you know, if the Chinese basically have all the technology down before the West uh, and basically monopolize the technology for how to build these plants, I mean, that's a huge advantage. And I don't think, yeah, I'm not sure that that's a great thing to have a single country, especially one that doesn't, you know, respect um, general human rights. the way that the way that we do in the west yeah exactly so um, so but i think that's perfect i think it's perfect in that it's terrifying and that i think that's what will <laughs> catalyze us we can paint it up as sexy hey elon said fusion school yeah that's cool but whatever you go to the next thing if you can get like a red scare part two you know get a bunch of propaganda posters going out you know like those world war ii ones just have really offensive like depictions of chinese men being like, we can't let them get fusion. You know, you have Uncle Sam. I don't know, man. I think that's how you get that war footing money. I think that's how you get the, you know, <laughs> that's how you get, yeah. 
some wartime manufacturing on fusion. I think that's how you get it tomorrow. Did you say the Chinese have it? I mean, it's definitely true that the you know Apollo project wouldn't have been as fast. Exactly. If it for the the the. I mean, that's both an inspiring thing and a, and a terrifying thing about human nature. Yeah. How do we how do we accomplish great things without being scared? Yeah. Something else. Yeah. Maybe it's hard. Maybe yeah. it's impossible. Well, I think that's the impossible question to figure out. So let's take the easier question, and that's how to create a fusion reactor. I don't think we'll ever understand the human condition. But I don't know, man. I think if you have China coming out, I think you'll have Trump tweeting about it tomorrow. Fusion reactor. It'll be the best ever. $100 trillion tomorrow. <laughs> Take our great American minds, the brightest sun. You know it. I know it. Yeah. Fake news. Fake fusion. We have it here. Yeah. I know the guys personally. Great scientists. Brilliant scientists. You should see their stars. It's wonderful. Justin Ball. Jason Prezi. Thank you very much for doing the podcast again. Um, thank you, Tommy. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. And then, and the future of fusion, your book on Amazon, and um, Jason, you know, you you said you were going to narrate it, correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, if you want, you can just leave this channel open. I'll uh, start reading. Yeah. Do you know? I was actually thinking about that this morning yeah. when I went for a run. I was like, I wonder if I just asked Jason to read his book. I'll just I'll leave the room. I'll go play Xbox. So you don't have to have any like performance anxiety and just read the book. I was like, I wonder if you would actually do that. I would just leave it on for eight hours. But not right now. That could be quite fun, actually. But yeah, anyway, yes. Yeah, I think you should, man. I think you absolutely should. It's, yeah. All right, guys. Let's, um, I'll email you. I will definitely make sure to go back through the book and try to understand. Actually, I'm going to, I'll do a little more research on Elon and see if I can't get some, uh, some good propaganda drummed up but um i'll email you guys let's definitely set up another one and um thank you very much for doing right. it the future of fusion energy by jason Parisi and justin ball Did I say your... yeah thank yeah. you very much guys take thank care you. stay safe bye you too peace